This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. This is episode number 23, and today I happen to have a very special guest in the studio here with me today, Mr. Lenny Baticki. He's going to tell us a little bit about his history, and he's going to kind of help me co-host this thing today and guide the ship, so uh, we're going to see how that goes. And later on in the show, we're going to call Ben Watkins out of Rock Hill, South Carolina, the Rock Hill bad boy, they call him, and get his preview for the upcoming weekend the ultimate series will be at Lancaster Speedway, and he's one of the favorites to win down there, and I want to get his thoughts on that. So, Lenny, welcome to the podcast, man. Well, glad to be here, and uh, a big fan of yours, your father, your brother Casey, and uh, just a family friend. Um, you know, what uh, what we've done to maybe get here might or might not be interesting to people, but uh, just glad to watch you uh, continue to succeed and do in your career. And uh, don't forget, it's not just Lancaster. Because we don't want to, you know, you got to be careful. I'm wearing my Swankyville T-shirt tonight um, in Lawrence County. Going to uh, double double header Lawrence County. I was going to mention that too. I've got I've got a, a long list of races coming up here. I was going to get to that, but I just knew that uh, with him being the hometown boy at Lancaster, he was going to be the favorite possibly oh, yeah. to win down there. So. So yeah, see, see my Swankyville. Swanky you can't belt. see it on your ear. Look, look towards your uh, your computer. The school, the school bus. Yeah, <laughs> the school bus. I got a neat story about those. I don't know. Yeah, let's. Well, we can, we can probably go ahead and tell it. It's been long enough. Uh, so they had the they had the first annual Carolina Crown. Maybe it was the second annual, but I think that no, this was the second annual. Cody Summer promoted yep. it and did all that at Lancaster, and we went down there uh, after the race. My buddy Kenny Ramsey, another guy that Ben Watkins kind of grew up with there, and we. We stand, we sitting around down there and kind of, kind of just hanging out and drinking a couple of beers and somebody got the wild hair or saw a picture <laughs> or something. Let's go back over there to the track, man. There's stuff going on. So we went over there and, long story short, we were kind of standing around out there uh, around Johnny Persley's hauler and stuff. And I mean, it's midnight, one in the morning. I'm not really sure. And next thing you know, this school bus comes by, and uh, and it's the Swankyville school bus and uh, and and it's full of people and we're like what in the hell is going on so uh, we they say get on we're we're going for a ride so of course we uh, we it didn't take a much to talk us into it and we get on there and I mean uh, like Clint Boyer's mm-hmm. in there because he was yep. he owns a he owns a car that was fielded that weekend Jonathan and Davenport Davenport won I think that night right him or Madden I think Davenport. I'm trying to remember, I think Davenport won the next the next night mm-hmm. it was or or Scott Altry. I don't remember what year this was. I, I didn't know I was going to get on I, this topic. Yeah, I but, re- I remember that night hearing about it because I was there earlier. Yeah, and in typical fashion, bolted before things got too too much. But um, and then yeah, the the bus that you were on is infamous. <laughs> uh, so you better be careful. Don't name too many names. I'm not going to name a lot of names, <laughs> but I, I will say that about half of the starting lineup was, yeah. in, was in this bus, and uh, we even stopped and tried to pick up Rambo, and he he politely declined. So I ain't getting up in that thing. <laughs> So next thing I know, we go out on the track. We pull out on there, and we're we're up there, hit uh, right up at the uh, at the concrete wall, and sending that thing around through there. And it's one o'clock in the morning. Uh, the next day, I I was I'm buddies with Cody Summer, and I I kind of told him about it, and, and he laughed and stuff. And he, you know, I thought he was gonna be a nervous wreck, but I said I got to tell you about this. This is funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, you know, some but of the he, stuff that goes on, yeah. it just goes on. Yeah. So. 
I mean, but if something bad would have happened, oh. some kind of, that would have been terrible on his insurance and all that, you know, for having the track that we could, but nothing did. It was all good. And it was a heck of a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah. I'm, so the Swinkyville bunch, yeah, those guys are cool, man. And you brought it up and that was, that was one of my favorite memories of them was going around there in that bus that night. So, well, I, I, I think one of my favorite Swankyville memories I was uh, able to experience was last time the World of Outlaws Late Models were there. We got to do a piece up on their 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 tower now, and uh, Eshelman's in the in the tower and he throws it down to me, and I get to say, "Hey, we're here at Swankyville," and um, just showcase. I mean, them high rollers. Um, you know, there's there's two or three others there that are really what the dirt late model fan is. They 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 live it. They love it. Um, they're they're friendly. They're they've got rivalries and they love their driver. And your driver ain't to their driver, yeah. which is okay. And um, it it makes it fun. It does, man. It's all about the grassroots racing, and we're gonna get to that a little bit later in the show. I wanna. I want to touch on that a whole lot with you. That was one of the reasons I brought you on here today. But Lenny, I appreciate you being on. So this past week, we had a few races, a lot of a lot of rainouts there on Saturday. But uh, Thursday, they had the atomic, the atomic speedway up in, up in uh, Chillicothe. Chillicothe, Ohio. Yeah, I couldn't think of it off the top of my head. The the Castrol Flow Night in America Series, twenty two thousand win, which was a huge payday on a Thursday night, and Devin Moran picked up the win in that. That was a wild race. Uh, Jonathan Davenport came in second there, and really a heck of a good show there, especially on a Thursday night. That was a lot of fun to watch. Friday night, uh, the World of Outlaws Series was at Richmond, Kentucky, Richmond Raceway for a ten thousand to win race, and. Tim McCready outdueled Chris Madden, who finished second. It was a pretty uh, kind of a kind of a one lane racetrack there in a way from what I saw. But uh, you know they they had the World of Outlaws there. It was probably one of the biggest shows that that track has ever seen, and the place was packed out. It was uh, it was a pretty neat deal to see a lot of good cars on hand. Uh, simultaneous to that, the Carolina Clash Series was in action at Livonia Speedway, Livonia, Georgia, where Ross Bell's picked up the six thousand dollar check, and then simultaneous to that as well. Over at Tri County, which not not too far from Livonia, there at Ray Cook's track, Brasstown, North Carolina, saw David Payne go to Victory Lane. How about uh, Talladega Short Track had some good late model races? Yeah, Henderson, they did. Matt Henderson, an Matt emotional Henderson. one. Uh, he lost a, a, a car owner, part of the family. That was couple you know, of, couple his his kids passed away yeah. in a car accident. That sort of it's a really sad tragic, deal. Sort of reminds yeah. you of Doug Herbert in a way, sadly mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, he picked up a win. It looked like he was really emotional there in Victory Lane. You know, had we had Matt on the show uh, mm-hmm. a while back, and he was he he's was, had a tough year and such yeah. a good guy. And this is his third or fourth win, I think, already this year. So, I mean, he's really turned it around in the adversity. And I saw somebody else. I, I don't have it in front of me right now, but he lost another uh, family friend or a loved one just mm-hmm. right after that. On I saw that on Facebook. So, sad deal for. Uh, for the Matt Henderson group, and we, we send our thoughts and prayers and well wishes out to those guys for sure. But, yeah, that was pretty pretty neat to see him get that win, especially at Talladega Short Track. Pretty big uh, pretty big crate late model win. How about Taswell? Mac McCarter got, got the W. Mac, yeah, Mac yeah I'm seeing that there. here on my sheet. Yeah, Mac McCarter got a win. That was a UCRA-sanctioned event. So mm-hmm. that all went on on Friday. And then Saturday, like I said, there was a lot of rainouts all over the place. Uh Mark Whitener actually picked up a win at Alltech down in Florida on Saturday night. And other than that, there really was not many other big races. A lot of a lot of just local races hit and miss everywhere. But 
uh, Lucas Oil at Macon and World of Outlaws at Brush Creek both got canceled and rained out. And also Tri-City was supposed to have a Lucas race on Friday. It obviously got rained out too. So Isn't the Brush Creek one moved <clears throat> to about a month from now, something like that? It may have. Yeah, it may I have. So. I didn't see that. But yeah, Brush Creek, that was going to be the first time that the tour had visited there since like t- 2006. So that was going to be a huge deal. And I hate to see that it got rained out because those fans up there were hungry for some World of Outlaws action for sure. And then Sunday, of course, we welcomed back West Virginia Motor Speedway. It was so neat to see that place packed out like it was. 8,000 to win race for the Ironman Valvoline Series where Jonathan Davenport picked up the win. A really exciting race, actually. Tyler Herb was leading it on the last lap and goes off into turn three or turn two on the final lap and breaks a breaks a left rear wheel. At the same time, Moran's passing Davenport for second and the caution comes out. And they both almost hit Herb as he's spinning. So with the caution coming out, Field goes back to the previous lap, obviously. They restart. Davenport's got the lead, so he goes on and wins the race. Davenport had a flat left rear in his heat race, so he had to start at the back of the field and raced his way through the field on a big hammer-down fast track like West Virginia. So, man, hats off to to Cody Watson and that whole family up there at West Virginia Motor Speedway for bringing that place back. I mean, it it was a lost speedway. We never thought we'd see see this again and man they've made that place a beautiful facility yeah you just drive you used to drive by and you just go over there and go, oh man i wish they'd run and now they are so that's really really cool yeah no doubt i've got to get up there and uh, and see a race there before the year is over and support that place for sure uh, i actually he and my dad and um a couple of buddies and stuff we went up there in 2010 for the final it was what well, we didn't know at the time it was going to be but it was the final hillbilly 100 at that track mm. And Scott Bloomquist actually won that race. It was his 499th career win. I still remember that as being a milestone because they were all talking about, you know, him possibly next week would be the World 100 and uh, because it's always on Labor Day. So possibly winning his 500th in the World 100, that didn't happen. But I saw, I, speaking of Lancaster, as you did, yeah. Kenneth Dietz won like his 450th race since we're talking numbers. Yeah. Uh, over there, not in a super late model or anything, oh, yeah. but, you know, the big show, that's the, that's cool local the, stuff. The big show, Kenneth Deese, I love him, man. I always get a kick out of talking to him. Anytime I do, he's always super friendly and super nice. And King of the crash cars back when exactly. we used to run him at Charlotte. He picked up a lot of wins in those. Uh, I think they probably canceled the whole, <laughs> the whole series because he was coming in there and winning all the money. And all those guys that raced those were from, like, Monroe. They were all, yeah. like, his backyard buddies over there, so... So, yeah, well, we'll look at this coming weekend here. We've got a pretty big uh, race coming up at Boone, Iowa, Boone Speedway for the World of Outlaws late models. They're going to be in action Friday and Saturday night. Friday night's going to be paying 10000 to win, and Saturday night's going to be 30000 to win. I saw a little while ago that's where Bobby Pierce said he's going this weekend, um, and also in action will be. And the reason that's, that's – uh, that's of note is because the Lucas Oil Series is also in action this weekend at Florence Speedway. And Bobby mm. Pierce is usually a shoe-in when it comes to Florence Speedway. You know, that's where his mother's from and everything like that. So interesting. But, yeah, the Boone Super, the Boone Speedway race this weekend, they're going to start the super late models three wide. That's never been done before wow. as far as I know in late model action. That would be pretty neat. Maybe, they're used maybe, to, you know, running those modifieds over there. I wonder how the crowd will accept, even though it is Pierce. Yeah. And like like they say, if you're not a Pierce fan yet, just drink till you're a Pierce fan. I love that T-shirt. But, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see if the more uh, modified crowd 
likes the the supers you know and don't don't cut out chris simpson if you're over there in iowa chris simpson is bad fast in that state he knows it yeah those guys will be good and then also the gustins are from right there mm-hmm. in that the area marshall town so i think those guys will be uh be be good this weekend i don't think uh, a big national touring late model series has been the boon since the, the from you know in recent history anyway that i can remember but Man, I'm sure you've probably been out there before. I'm not sure. I have not we, been to Boone, but I've been to um, uh, Lee County yeah. Speedway, which is further south, Knoxville, um, just a couple of the Iowa tracks, um, pretty close with the uh, the folks, uh, th- or have gotten closer with the folks at 34 Raceway, and they just had that big Slocum 50 with uh, the guy from California came out and won. Jason Papich, I yeah. think it was. yeah. There's a lot of racing going on right now. It's so hard to keep up with everything. But so yeah, that that race at Boone's going to be good. I give it high regards. I I can't wait to watch that race this weekend. We went last year for the Super Nationals, and it was well worth the trip. Mm-hmm. I would do it again. Um, it's always on the same week as the World 100, and as long as they have the world, I don't know if I'll ever get to go to the, to Boone again for that. Uh, last year we didn't. Right. You know, yeah. we we had the chance to go, so we jumped at the opportunity. So anyway, we've got a couple more minutes here to talk about the races coming up this weekend. Uh, I failed to mention Lucas Oil will be in action also April 30th, which is this Friday for 12000 to win at Ponderosa Speedway in Kentucky. Kentucky's baddest bull ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so that's going to be going on. There's also some other little races sprinkled in here. Well, they're not little races. There's no little races. I shouldn't say that. But Crossville Speedway, Crossville, Tennessee's got the Ray Cook Spring Nationals in action Friday night, 4,053 to win. Uh, and the Ultimate Series is also in action this weekend with, a, with an event at Lawrence County Speedway on Friday night. And, of course, we mentioned a little while ago, Lancaster Speedway on Saturday night. Uh, that's probably where I'm going to go this weekend. Probably go check out that race at Lancaster. There's also uh, uh, Clarksville's got a race this Saturday, Clarksville, Tennessee, for the Ray Cook Spring Nationals. And there's also a bunch of other regional and local races coming up this weekend. So uh, Sonoya is in action this weekend. You know, I had Clint Cat Daddy Smith on my podcast a while back. And yep. uh, so Sonoya Raceway, I don't, I think this will be their season opener unless they had it last week. I don't know if it got they, rained they out. They got rained out last week. So this will actually be their season opener. So, uh, so go check that out if you're in the area. That's another one I want to get to. Huge, huge amount of um, uh, improvements that the uh, Bubba Pollard's family yeah. is now running that while west georgia has gotten improvements as well because the masseys went over there and uh both of them actually had events already on the same night packed houses at both so as much as there was concern that there might be a, a battle between the two uh it already proved out on the first night that they could run together that they both could fill the house and have good shows so um, hopefully they, they get to uh, doing more together to build that, the racing community down there in uh, south of Atlanta or so, about an hour or so south of Atlanta, and let them have some great races of, of all kinds. I agree. We've got, you know, there's a lot of good racetracks in Georgia that we sleep on all the time, like Winder Barrow. That's one. That, the Baja. Yeah. So, well, Lenny, we're going to take a quick break here on the Forward Bike Podcast. And on the other side of the break, I want to talk to you and get your history and uh, how you got into this sport and everything you've got going on day so uh, we'll do that right on the other side of the break you're listening to the forward bike podcast on the speed sport podcast network welcome back to the forward bike podcast this is kyle armstrong and i'm here with lenny baticki and we're going to go over to the andy's towing hotline and talk to ben Watkins of rock hill south carolina and get his thoughts on uh, what he's got going on here coming up in the very near future what's going on ben welcome to the podcast man 
I appreciate it, man. Thank y'all for having me on. Absolutely, man. I've known you for a long time. I've kind of kind of watched your career start from scratch, and I know your dad uh, raced a lot, and you've got a rich racing family history uh, with your dad. And uh, now, all of a sudden, you're uh, you're you're running super late models, man. But at the same time. I feel like you're a little underrated whenever it comes to these topics and conversations, and that's why I wanted to get you on the show so you could uh, tell us a little bit more about who you are. Well, that's uh, definitely a compliment, and uh, yeah, we have, man. We we go way back uh, through some different ways, through racing online before um, I racing and all that. But uh, yeah, my dad, my dad. Um, raced all his life and i grew up at the racetrack every weekend uh weekend week out and that's all i all i've known and that's all i ever wanted to be and i uh, was lucky enough to run some go-karts as a teenager and it wasn't very long got into uh, some stock body cars and man the uh the stars aligned and some good opportunities showed yourself and we was able to get into some late model racing yeah you've uh yeah, I mean, I noticed you, you know, you ran the uh, street stocks and stuff for quite a while, and it just seems like next thing you know, you were uh, running a late model. How'd that kind of come about? Because, I mean, I know you pretty much won everything there was to win in those street stocks, but uh, you just don't jump into a late model. You had to have some backing a little bit. So tell us a little bit about how that how that happened, I guess. Yeah, we were, um, you know, doing our thing, running street stocks and just making the best of what we could. You know, we, uh, you know, my dad and... And me, I mean, we're, we're blue collar guys work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, every week. And, and this is our passion and hobby, um, and is racing and, and we do what we can, but, um, you know, just to call it like it is street stocks is, uh, you know, it was probably as far as we could go, as far as our budget wise. Um, and it just so happened, um, where, my dad and me parked that at the racetrack at Lancaster Speedway, and pretty much it's where I cut my teeth at, and we raced most Saturday nights, the majority of my street stock career. Uh, it just so happened the trailer over from us was the actual guys that I drive for now, and uh, never would have thought it in a million years, but they told me after they kind of gave me a shot, they were like, man, we, we watched you. We watched you every weekend race. You know, we watched you, and I, I never would have thought that you know especially just starting out racing you don't know who's watching you probably really in your head you know you're just out there racing but um and, and not to say there wasn't a couple other guys along the way um that kind of gave me a little shot here or there um at driving the cars but definitely the sandwood guys uh doug and brian monterano um and larry crowley they they definitely gave me my first really good opportunity to get started in a late model and that was kind of how it started how long ago was that you've been racing them for quite a while it seems like now and yeah it has. i i don't want to i don't want to tell you wrong but it had to have been I'd around be okay. it had to have been around 2010 mark i want to say that's that's um, kind of where i was thinking too somewhere in that yeah, range right in there and, and <clears throat> to kind of tell you a quick story uh, we started out. They just had a they had a trailer in a car, and they said, "Hey, let's let's put a driver in it. Let's go buy a 604, and we'll go crate race." And you know, I was didn't I was very green with late models, hadn't drove them very much at all. They put me in it, let me cut my teeth in the late models, and they were like, "This is what we're gonna do, and this is all we plan to do." Well, they had a very 
they loved limited racing. Well, they actually went back and bought their original steelhead motor, um, and just kind of out of surprise, they said, "Hey, we're going to go do this for a while." Well, we we went and did it and had success in it, and um, was like, you know, they were like, they told me up front, "This is all we plan to do. We we're not planning on going no further." Well, a couple years down the road, they they pop up and say, "Hey, we got a super motor. Let's uh, let's go try it." And 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 we had some success with it, and uh, it's just it's been amazing the things they've they've done for my career for sure. Yeah, it is. That's uh, that's cool, man. That you grew up right beside him. You just never know who you're gonna meet and how what it's gonna mean to you later on in life. It's just like uh, just like this guy here sitting beside me, Lenny Batiki. You know, I've met him. 10 or 15 years ago. Now we're sitting here doing a podcast together, and I think he's got a question for you. Well, I was just curious, uh, you know, since you know Kyle so much and uh, the fans are still getting to know him as the host, uh, you got you to gotta tell us about when you met him. Were you, were you like seven, eight years old running around and <laughs> trading uh, Hot Wheels cars, and he tried to take your uh, Freddie Smith car or something? Because <laughs> Kyle's like that. He will steal your Freddie Smith car if you've got it. Uh, I don't, yeah, I do not doubt that at all. Um, I would say, man, before I was even racing cars, I would go up to Gastonia, Carolina Speedway, and I would, I don't know, remember how I met. I know we would see Kyle there every Friday night. I wasn't even racing yet. Right? You know, we were just teenage kids running around watching dirt track racing and loving it. And then, and then also, you know, we got tied up. And it's kind of funny, a group of guys that I still know today, you know, we made a lot of friends online racing, uh, probably made a couple enemies, but, uh, you know, as teenagers, man, we stayed up all night, all hours of the night racing online. And, and, uh, that was, that was two of the main ways we, we definitely got to know each other. Yeah. We had a lot of fun back in those days racing that I, you know, that was, that was SAS heat and SLM heat. Those were days before, you know, people talk about iRace and they don't have a clue. Like we were, we were doing that kind of stuff before that ever came around. Well, you know, the, the, the NASCAR guys and, and maybe even some dirt guys use the, um, you know, the SIM, the, uh, thing like that. What did, what did you ever get from doing the, you know, the iRacing stuff that you did back in the day? And I know it wasn't called that, but what has transferred over to what you do now? What do you still remember, um, when you're out there that electronically might've helped you be a driver today? My, it's kind of funny. My dad was always not a fan, I guess, as, as him being a little older, he was just like, you know, man, just playing video games. But I really do believe my uh my thoughts on it is your one thing you can't take away is your hand eye coordination i mean and, and you're you're watching something and you're having to move the pedals and the steering wheel and some kind of synchrony and that hand eye coordination you know feet coordination you can't you almost can't put a price on that even if you're not bringing much over in terms of this isn't identical to what we're racing you still can't put a price on that got a lot yeah. of practice yeah you're exactly right man we did we did have a lot of fun running those but i want to talk about your uh your racing coming up this weekend so i guess are you going to run lauren's this this friday night the ultimate series or just lancaster our plan is just to run lancaster we're actually um we're actually waiting on a motor uh clements actually told us that our motor would be ready uh, somewhere around Wednesday or Thursday. So Thursday we plan to go get the motor and 
and not and not really rush it too much. You know, that'll give us, you know, Friday to get it all in and, and make sure we don't miss anything um, and, and go racing. So we won't go Friday, but our, our plans are to be there Saturday. Yeah, I think that is a good plan. I I think uh, I think you've got a good shot on uh, Saturday night. I keep seeing a lot of social media buzz around you and the race at Lancaster, the ultimate super late model series four thousand to win. And I think that uh, that you've got a that you've got a good shot. How about uh, how about taking us a taking us a lap around that track? Just if you can describe a lap around Lancaster Speedway, the long straightaways and the and the hairpin corners. I know. Uh, give us a give walk us through a lap around that place. Man, uh, it is. I guess there's a lot of people that I know say they don't they don't care for it much. But like I say, I guess just that was a normal track because that was what I learned to, to race on every Saturday night. Um, but man, you if if we want to go through a lap of it, you know the banking the banking is pretty substantial, you know here. So you want to make sure you're up on the banking, even on a you know, a restart, you want to get that, that fire off of the hill and, and be able to roll off that hill really good. Um, and you just want to normally, especially early in the night and, and even even some nights later in the night, you know, the high line is usually favored. So you want to get down in there. I mean, as, as far as your nerves can handle it, you want to drive off in there when, when your body, you know, until your body's saying don't go anymore, you want to hold it a second longer getting into the corner and uh and you better make sure you get a car that turns good so you can lay turn it and and my you know the way i drive it is i want to get up there to the top that way i can get a good run off that corner again stay up near the wall and uh you know make sure you get that thing straight for them long straightaways um and you're anybody who uh doesn't think these cars are going fast, and I'm even talking about the front-wheel drives. I tell them anytime, you know, down there where Swankyville is, if you get to stand at that gap, especially on the outside of that track, if you watch a car go by, if you're standing at the wall, I promise you, you'll probably step back two steps. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, it gives you the sensation of speed when you come by that gap right there, and that's only about halfway down the straightaway. But uh, one and two, one and two is a little, a little flatter. I felt like. Has always been a little flatter. Three and four, I've always felt like you could run in a little bit deeper, and there's a little bit of all the laps I had around that place. I really, I feel comfortable in the center of that corner, getting all the way up at the top, and just getting that thing pointed back down the front straightaway and getting a, a good run back off. Does three um, and four, because it points west, if I'm not mistaken, does it dry out more than one and two though? It uh. I would say it's the opposite. I think the sun, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you could, you could, I could be wrong here, but I, for some reason, I always felt like the sun, and maybe it's just the tall, the tall banking, but mm-hmm. it's shaded better. Okay. In, in three and four. So t- a lot of times there'll be just a tick more moisture down there. One and two, I think a lot of times they'll seem to dry out a little bit more. Um, but it, it might just be a tick more moisture there. Um, up at the top in three and four. You you talked about bravery and stuff like that. When you're out there racing and you know somebody's home track, because uh, you know a lot of these guys, and their their home track they may be a specialist on is is a lot flatter and a lot 
smaller of an arena. Do you do you look at them in front of you and go, that's all right. I'll I'll outdrive them into the corner because you you know you're you're more of a speed guy. Does it does it give you confidence to be able to pass guys even if you for whatever reason don't qualify well? Um, I I do feel like sometimes at Lancaster at Lancaster I would say it gives me an advantage in it. And I guess coming from having the laps I do have around Lancaster, it definitely does not bother me to uh, to drive a car off in the corner at any point that I need to feel like I need to get in there deeper than the next guy. Um, I'm sure that that part has helped me through racing um, there at that track. But, yeah, it's uh, – you know, taking a lap, taking a lap practice or qualifying, or you, you at Lancaster, you're so close to being on the edge. If you want to get everything out of your car, that literally I'll come in after qualifying, and I don't, I don't know if sometimes I don't breathe or what, but I'll be out of breath for two laps, and I'm just like, how am I going to run forty or fifty here? <laughs> but uh, you know, that's just how much on the edge I feel like you you have to be. So yeah, going to these these other tracks that are a little more flatter, or you know, you're rolling around the bottom. I, I guess I feel like I have a little extra still still saved in the tank if I need it. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ben, we're just about out of time for this segment, but I want to I want I had one more uh, question I wanted to ask you. Uh, so so you basically just running local and regional races, but what do you see the future and and maybe what are some of your goals and what are some of some you know some big races that you want to try to attend? Like is it Eldora or is it like Florence, Kentucky, or or where are you and your team at as far as maybe getting out there and hitting some of these big shows coming up in the near future. So if I could give you like uh, the quick notes real, the, the cliff notes real quick of we, we did have a big shift at the beginning of this year. And obviously I've only ran one super race this year, but we teamed up with uh, Wesley page, um, you know, Wesley page shots. Uh, those guys, we, we've teamed up Wesley with the Sandwood guys. We brought a, a super motor over to put in his car. And so our super racing is kind of being done through a, through a team, a team deal with him. Um, the limited cars still the same wood guys and all of, all of them guys as well. And, and my crew helps on both cars, but, um, I do, you know, we, we are planning on running locally at stuff that we're comfortable with, but if everything goes well, I mean, we have, there has been talks. I mean, Obviously, my bucket list, I would love to go to Eldora, and I think if the stars can align and, and they have in the past, um, you know, maybe maybe there's a long shot that I would love to go to Eldora. You know, my bucket list would be if we could ever go to, like, the Knoxville or, you know, Port Smith um, or, or uh, you know, Port Royal. Um, I would love to see Fairbury in person. I mean, I love how they're up on the wall there, uh, but it definitely would be a boring probably – you know, I don't know how many of those you could probably put in Lancaster. I don't know how it would out, but obviously, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I would love to love to see those places. I mean, um, you know, we, we've just been in talks. If we can do good enough and and, and we're confident and doing well, um, you know, I mean, even this year, I mean, we've talked about uh, going to the uh, the Dirt Track World Championship. Or, uh, I don't want to miss, miss Portsmouth and say that wrong. But, Portsmouth Raceway uh, Park. Uh, what about the one, uh, the one at Charlotte? Uh, oh, the World Finals, yeah. Yeah, the World Finals. I, you know, if we can have a, a successful year and we feel like we're up to, 
where we want to be, you know, that's not far from us. We would definitely try to go there. Yeah, and then you mentioned Charlotte, too. They've actually got an Ultimate Series race this summer uh, in June or July. I can't yep. remember which. I'm sure you'll be at that one, too. Yeah, definitely. So, yep. Well, well, Ben, man, I could have you on here. I could listen to you talk and tell tell us stories for hours, but we're out of time for tonight. I'll get you back on here. Maybe, uh, uh-huh. maybe, uh, maybe get you back on here to talk about a big win this weekend at Lancaster. How about that? Good luck this weekend, Ben. I appreciate it, man, and thank y'all for having me on. Absolutely. Well, that was Ben Watkins here on the Forward Bike Podcast. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Want to find out how folks go from humble beginnings in the world to their dream job in motorsports? Tim Pacman sits down every week to get you the inside scoop. It's how I got here, and the latest episode is available now on the Speedsport Podcast Network, NASCAR Digital Media, and your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. We're here with Lenny Baticki. Lenny's going to tell us a little bit more. Of, uh, I'm going to ask him some questions. I've I've known Lenny for a long time, and I want to just get him to tell us a little bit more his history and where he came from, how he got into this. And man, we've we've had a lot of great conversations here tonight in the studio before we even went live on the air. So, uh, Lenny, I appreciate you coming out here tonight, man. My pleasure. A lot of times the off-air conversations yeah. are the ones that we should record, but. Uh, I worked with Tim Packman. Uh, Pack was our um, fan interaction guy uh, when I started announcing Legends with Steve Post at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Pack would run around in the grandstands and give away prizes and extremely friendly, talented, and went on to do a lot of great things. So uh, it's pretty cool that uh, he's got a podcast here on Speed Sport as well. Yeah, he does a good job of that. I've listened to a few of his episodes, and uh, well, a few, a few more than a few I've listened to. Actually, he does a great job getting these guys' stories that uh, that kind of built the sport mm-hmm. behind the scenes, guys, and that's the people you never hear from. So it's neat to hear that kind of stuff. Well, Lenny, uh, from what I understand, you got your start racing back in BMX bikes back in the uh, middle of the late seventies, I believe it yep. was, and uh, and you kind of you kind of did that for a while, won some races, won some championships, I believe, and. Yeah, and you know what's the neat thing still to today? Um, the the feeling of competition is still the same being around the guys in motorsports and even going and traveling to some of the places uh, that, that we went to in Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, tracks and general locations up there are usually kind of close to uh, where some of the BMX stuff was. And, uh, you know, I get to uh, now watch, I heard Joey Logano is starting to take his kid uh, to some BMX stuff and um ryan air not ryan airs uh ryan flores is uh his daughter is doing it and just to see the next generation come up but it's all about competition and i think that's what first started uh me um when i i became passionate about grassroots racing and motorsports and stuff was that it, it felt like my friends when i was bmxing now i have friends that still compete they just are doing it in cars and it, it's so cool to be able to uh, go to a dirt late model race and uh, interact with uh, guys and go to midget races and pavement races and such. But it's, it's still the feel of the intense uh, competition and rivalry, but also the love of it. And that it doesn't matter if it's raining, we'll wait it out. It doesn't matter if there, there was a wreck, we'll fix it. It doesn't matter if, you know, uh, we didn't quite have enough this week, we'll get them next week. All those same same things have been all a part of my life exactly and then so you, you you raced there for a while and then then you said you broke into announcing and uh, i don't i kind of wonder how you uh, how that happened 
was it just by chance? And then next thing you know, you started announcing car races because it paid more. So can you tell yeah. that story? Well, I started announcing because uh, I wasn't doing that well. I had had a uh, shoulder injury back in the uh, in 1980, 81. I was um, laid up pretty much. And even if I tried to race, it wasn't very good. So I would go out of the, uh, the event early. And uh, I'd sit in the grandstands. And back then, there wasn't really a lot of uh, BMX announcers. There were a couple really good ones that have gone on to the Hall of Fame. But, uh, you know, at most places, it was just some dad up there uh, having a few cold ones and talking about whatever he decided was doing it. So I'd go over with my friends and I'd start, talk, you know, doing cool announcing, you know, or what we thought was. Um, and, and more and more people started gathering around me. And they said, hey, you should go up and announce. And I uh, got to do that at a, at a little local track and got started. And, um, you know, it just went from there. People uh, liked what we did. And um, knowing the competition from the inside gave me an advantage about how to speak about what the riders were doing. And that's, you know, translated over to uh, cars because uh, getting my start in drag racing announcing, I got to understand that enough. Uh, and it's pretty easy to understand straight line. Um, and then they said, well, no, oval is going to get you get you more. So going over to, um, you know, oval racing was a little bit more complicated because of the chassis setups and having to understand that. But, uh, you know, you just be curious and ask people and racing folks will tell you uh, what you want to know if you're just friendly and and. Yeah, well, I, they were they were my people. It didn't matter, you know, whether they were racing a dirt car or a BMX bike or a drag car. Uh, they were all liking competition. And uh, hey, man, what you doing there? That's what what we would ask, and uh, people would teach you. It sounds like you didn't really grow up in a in a little background of short track racing or anything. It sounds like you just got introduced to it later on in life. How how was I, that actually whenever you got introduced and what did you th what was your initial thoughts of the sport? Well, I will go I'll go way back and then I'll get you really quickly up. Uh my father was a bartender. Uh never made more than 2 bucks uh an hour. Um worked his tail off. Uh passed away when he was 65 when I was 20. So uh you know my my mom had to go back to work and uh you know it was just uh, a different life. But uh, BMX and the BMX racing family stuck with me and uh, helped me through that time and uh, got to announce uh, a lot in that time in, um, in my early 20s and really kind of established myself uh, there. Um, and then got the opportunity to go to cars because some guy said, uh, you know, it paid more. And uh, there's some funny stuff with that, but it, it doesn't come off quick uh, here on a podcast. And then really started to... Um, work my way to become an announcer. And uh, guys like Mark Garrow, who I would call and beg to uh, let me announce on uh, one of his Bush Grand National podcast or races that uh, they did for Capital Sports Network, Doug Rice, uh, who now I work with at PRN and, and Garrow, and um, Pat Patterson. Uh, they were some of the, the guys that... Um, you know, mentored me, got me in, gave me opportunities, and um, away we be, away we came. Exactly, and then, and then it sort of seems like you kind of turned the turned the page, and you worked for RCR there for quite a while. Uh, and and I don't guess you really did as much announcing there at, at during the nineties as you did 
the early nineties, the early nineties, I ended up being vice president of marketing at Rockingham, which had the Rockingham, good, okay, the Good Wrench five hundred and the AC Delco five hundred, and uh, loved my six years there. Probably uh, just the most uh, sensational, fun things uh, being at a at a track that was big and had cup races, but really felt like a grassroots track in those early nineties, and to be able to talk to people that knew people. At the um, at the hotel where NASCAR was born, they knew Bill, Big Bill France. They knew um, all those folks, and they would tell me stories of where NASCAR began. And uh, the first year I was at Rockingham, um, we also rented Rockingham Dragway because we owned the Dragway before Steve Earwood and Roy Hill to uh, Jim Turner from Ace Speedway. Well, um, on the Memorial Day weekend of '90, I believe it was. Their two announcers at Ace Speedway were killed instantly in a head-on collision on a Saturday night that weekend. And I think it was Saturday. It might have been Sunday night. Coming back from, I believe it was 3-11. And um, a couple days later, I got the call. Lenny, it's Jim Turner. Um, I need you. And we got to go to Ace Speedway that Friday. And, I, I mean, I'm, I remember turning the mic on. And speaking for the first time at a Speedway and knowing that so many people that were listening were expecting Leon or Terry and he, they weren't there and I was. And that family took me in and I became Aces announcer for five years till 95. And at the end of 95, while I was working at Rockingham, I would leave on Fridays and go announce at Ace and at Myrtle Beach every now and then to fill in. But um, their Childress wanted to grow a new team, which became Skinner and the 31 and all that stuff, and needed some more help. Well, Goodwrench recommended me to Childress, and Childress and I got to chatting about things, and then um, really sat down at the banquet at the Waldorf in the end of 95. And that was at night, and in the afternoon, NASCAR had just uh, announced that they were going to Japan. So I'm sitting there listening to they're going to Japan for NASCAR and I'm still at Rockingham, but I know I got this interview with Childress and I'm like, oh man, I want to go to Japan. I don't care what Childress is. I'm going to go to work for him because my only thing is I want to go to Japan. And, you know, we, we talked and I got the job and I got to go to Japan and, uh, you know, uh, the silly things that you, you do, everybody else would have been going, you're going to work with Dale Earnhardt. It's going to be all this and that. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to go to Japan. <laughs> so uh, I got to tag along with them for seven great years or six great years, plus the one year after Dale passed. And uh, all seven years, I was vice president of the team. We built uh, the 31 with Lowe's. We, uh, we brought Bass Pro in. Uh, all those different sponsors that uh, I was fortunate enough to work with the team to uh, come in. And then, um, then Dale passed. And things, the chemistry just changed. The whole world changed. Um, NASCAR changed. And uh, we just needed to do something else. And got out for a while and thought I was just going to, maybe leave the sport. And the phone kept ringing and uh, ended up being Ogilvy PR's um, worldwide VP of motorsports. They had Formula One clients, things like that. And that's how I ended up in China for uh, eight days teaching motorsports because uh, they were going to have that Formula One race at Shanghai for the first time. And uh, Ogilvy was a client or China's track was a client of Ogilvy and said, hey, 
we're going to have 300,000 people here. We don't know what to do. Get somebody to come help us. Oh, okay. So the, I got on a plane and flew to uh, Shanghai and talked motorsports with uh, people that I couldn't understand. But um, that was fun and so many other things that uh, we got to touch. And then uh, uh, back at, at Charlotte after uh, three years at Gateway. Forgot to tell you about that. Um, in St. Louis, that's where the Gundakers and Tri Tri City Motor Speedway and Ray Ray Marler and Ken Schrader uh, really introduced me to dirt like nobody else. And uh, to get an education from a guy like Ray Marler, who is on his tractor every day in the dirt there at I-55. Unless it's snowing, Ray Marler is on the track. And the Gundakers, who are great promoters, and all those Midwest people that taught me about. Uh, modifieds and about so much else. And then when I came back here, it's, it just became easy to, you know, get back into the community in Mooresville and go dirt racing. Exactly. Well, you got, you told, you said a lot there. It's a lot to unpack, <laughs> but, but I want to mention this jewelry you've got on your right hand there on your finger, the Daytona 500 ring, I believe that is. It is uh, uh, 1998 with Dale Earnhardt. I want to know what you remember from that day. You were there, I'm sure. Uh, I was there until the green flag because oh. I didn't get on the planes with the guys. Uh, my first wife and I drove down, and uh, she wouldn't be, you know, eligible to fly on the RCR plane. So I drove down, and I knew it was eight hours to get back from Daytona. So I'm like, guys, uh, green flag, I got to go so I can be ready Monday morning, thinking, eh, you know, we'll get somewhere good, and, uh, you know, I'll have to be at work. Um, cause I had been there when we didn't do good, when we flipped and then, you know, he came in and things like that. Um, but, uh, I was in the cracker barrel in Savannah, um, the men's room, you could hear MRN in the men's room. And so I knew of the closing laps. I had ordered my chicken and dumplings <laughs> and was like, okay, I'm going to listen to see, see how we do for the last. And sure enough, uh, the three car won, and the other guys in the uh, gentleman's room were all like, yeah, Dale, yeah, Dale. And I just went, oh man, Monday's going to be a real bunch of work now. Man. <laughs> so that's where we were. Do you regret anything about that? Like looking back, do you wish you would have been there? Cause I, I think a lot of people were really wish they could have been there and lived that day. Um, yeah, but I, I lived, you know, a number know. of those things yeah. when Dale Jarrett, uh, you know, won and we got, we were behind him, the Dale and Dale show and the, and the flip and some of the others. Um, I wish I had been there in victory lane, but I also wouldn't trade being ready to go Monday to help the team capitalize on that and and do more so yeah i totally you know, agree i see what you're saying my, my job was to be in my desk at my desk monday morning as the vp ready to go to thank our sponsors to deal with them the media and all the attention that we were getting and if i had traded some of that i would have been derelict in my eyes in what i did well lenny we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back and talk to you a little bit more here on the podcast Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. I'm still here with Lenny Baticki. And Lenny, you were talking about winning the Daytona 500 with Dale Earnhardt there in 1998. But at that point, you know, you were at, that had to be the highest of highs. I mean, that's still something that we, we haven't forgot, you know, to this day. We're here in 2021. It's still one of the biggest days in motorsports history. You know, to be, to be with that and, team of guys yeah. and, and Richard and, and the fans and the community uh, that were behind the uh, GM Goodrench Chevrolet uh, we'll never forget that. Yeah. Never forget that. But now, you know, so I guess what I wanted to say is you were at that, you were at that high level of, of motorsports racing. And now, uh, 
you're at the grassroots level. I wouldn't really call it the grassroots anymore. I mean, this this racing that they call grassroots is pretty big time, in, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. Well, I, I still love going to tracks like Possum Kingdom, the go-kart yeah. track, and uh, Lizard uh, Creek Speedway in West Virginia. Um, I've been to Mudlick Valley in Kentucky. And uh, those are, you know, great tracks. I didn't come into this to, uh, you know, be... Uh, some something I wasn't. I'm still uh, the the BMX kid that just liked to go to races and and be with my friends and talk about the competition. And when I get to go to uh, the smaller tracks, you really get to to be with people and um, enjoy you know the the barbecue or the foods that's there and the 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 lifestyle is, is more genuine and uh, nothing bad about uh, you know what what went on in the uh, in the cup years I, I say. But I really like the, the pace and the people that I interact with um, at any racetrack. But there's, some, there's a real sweetness and genu- genuineness to uh, the folks at a down-home track, Ararat, Virginia, uh, another one of those great little tracks, and so many others. You mentioned Brush Creek at the start of the show. Uh, I could go on and on to these little places that um, really have become great memories. Jennerstown Speedway and the great folks up there. Even I know that's a paved track, but um, so many have become so special friends um, because they know we're I, we're all there for the same reason, and it's to be there together as a family celebrating a motorsports event. And I think you're authentic and genuine whenever you go to those places, and I think that's why the people can really relate to you and what you do with your with your radio show and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go but um i picking up kind of in that same time frame i can remember you being the uh, pa announcer at charlotte motor speedway summer shootout and at the dirt track and everything and when they put freddie smith and the walk of fame over there you were you and ozzy altman were there announcing that race that night and i've got a video of that at home and, it's, <laughs> and i didn't realize it three years later that man that was lenny announcing that and that was a colossal and, and night we, it, no, it been. was just like a regular Southern All-Stars mm-hmm. race. They used to have two or three there a year. And they had the crash cars that night. And uh-huh. Kenneth Deesh, you know, we yeah. mentioned him earlier <laughs> in the show. He won that night. It's so a full circle. But how did you kind of get worked into that, doing the PA announcement with Charlotte Motor Speedway, as you still do today? Steve Post uh, yeah. called me. Um, I, I had met Steve when I was at Ace Speedway in the early 90s when he just moved down or was trying to move down to try to get involved with things. And we had become friends. Um, and he called me midsummer, I think it was 03 or 04, and said, hey, um, we're going to need another voice here to help me with summer shootout. Uh, the guy that's helping me is going to go on. And uh, I said, sure, I'll, I, can, I can do Tuesdays easy. And uh, Steve Post, I owe everything I'm doing at Charlotte really to, to that phone call and Steve choosing me to be uh, his sidekick. And, um, you know, we got to do a lot of fun stuff from there. Yeah, Steve Post does a lot. He's, he's, he's a lot like you in a sense, too, except he goes to a lot more sprint car races. You know, I saw him out at Millbridge last week, give him thumbs up. And yeah, I hadn't really ever talked to him much. But, you know, when I see him, we wave and we're friendly like that. But but nothing like you and I are. Whenever we see each other at a track, we get into a 30-minute conversation. Well, we, like, we like fenders. He likes yeah. wings. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing bad with wings. But uh, we, we bonded over, you know, watching Madden and, uh, you know, all the rest of them at uh, the Carolina tracks. And, um, you know, there's nothing like a dirt late model when it rises up into a corner and it does what it does. It's, it's a thing of beauty. 
And I know that a wing sprint car, they adjust the wings and they get that tire boiling on the uh, on the right rear. But man, a dirt late model growing and growling. That's some cool stuff. I know. I, li- I love it all. You know, I don't know why, you know, some of these people kind of kind of get, uh, you know, putting them uh, heading up against it. So obviously I like dirt late models better. But at the same time, I love those vapor trails and the sprint Ooh, yeah. cars and all that kind of stuff, too. That's so neat to me. Well, and you see gravel running in, in, in some truck races. Jonathan Davenport was a Legends racer, yeah. you know, and so many of the others. And it's fun to go and talk to a, a dirt racing guy, whether he's a midget driver or, or, or a late model or even a street stock. And they want to talk Formula One, you know, because the real the real racers, real racing community appreciates each other. And, and we may poke at one or the other and say, oh, well, you drag racers only go straight. And the other ones say, you just keep turning left and stuff. But I, I think it's part of the family. And, uh, and we got to pick on our cousins a little bit. But uh, there's no no reason to throw shade on anything. If you're out there chasing a wind light or a checker, you're part of the family. Yeah, I agree. And motorsports is one big, huge family. And uh, we're all just living in it. That's for sure. Well, Lenny, I'm trying to think of another good question to ask you to, that goes off of that, but I guess just, you know, you're talking about the grassroots racing and going to all these different tracks, and you mentioned you you named a few tracks. Well, do you keep up with that? Like, do you have a track list? And Yeah, I'm in like the 200s, the low 200s of last uh, time tracks I, I've been to. Last time I looked, I was like 122 or something mm-hmm. like that, and haven't had a chance to really add many new ones the last couple of years. I probably went, uh, my first dirt track was East Bay in the late 70s. Uh, the guy that took us to a BMX race in that town took us over there one night to, uh, you know, because he wanted to watch whatever was going on there. And uh, I was all in the mindset of, you know, I got to get up to go compete myself the next day. But we were traveling together. And uh, I was like, man, this, I'm getting all dirt on me. And, you know, what's <laughs> this? You know, it's loud. And, you know, I'm not used to any of that at that point. But uh, if I'd have been smarter, I would have climbed up the grandstand and gotten away from the dirt and just learned something that night. But I was uh, probably, you know, too focused on my own competition and uh, not not open to that opportunity that I had in at East Bay in 78. But uh, got to go to uh, Nashville Fairgrounds in 80 and see um, a pretty neat race that I guess uh, Cale Yarborough and Richard Petty wrecked in. Uh, and got to experience NASCAR uh, from the infield for whatever reason uh, that time and uh, on throughout the uh, the rest. But it doesn't matter whether you're at, um, you know, Motegi in Japan, uh, Shanghai Circuit, whether you're running, uh, you know, any of the tracks that we've mentioned or, or hundreds and hundreds more. Um, if you go they're they're all there for the same thing. It's it's really, really neat. I remember in Japan, we were racing there and our uh, plug specialist. So if you know about reading spark plugs, uh, and I know our audience is pretty technical, so they know about reading spark plugs. We're in Japan and our spark plug readers light went out, the bulb went out. So they're like, you have time to go get us one. I'm in Japan. Where am I going to find one of these? So <laughs> or I found, try to explain it to somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I took it into where uh, some translator types were, and they're like, oh, yeah, we can, we can get you a ride to the parts house. So, like, I'm driving with people 10 miles into 
wherever in Japan thinking <laughs> they're never going to hear from me again. And I end up at some place that had a light bulb for a, a, um, a spark plug reader, took it back. And all of a sudden, like, man, that Lenny, he can really do things. I'm like, oh, that Lenny's lucky that they brought him back. That's all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. That is wild. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting there for sure. Yeah, you know, so so a lot of these races you go to and you cover with your show, and you do a great job on social media too. By the way, you take a lot of pictures and and you really just tell that story of of going to these different racetracks, whether it be dirt, asphalt. I know you, uh, pit reporter. You know, you did the cars tour race yesterday up at Orange County. You keep yourself really busy uh, going on, up and down the road. I just I wonder how you do it. Uh, you know, I I just. I love it like um, so many of the people we get to meet. Um, and the people are why I do it. I want to go to see our friends. And if I'm oh, home agree. too much, yeah. um, I feel like I'm missing my pals. And it doesn't even have to be anybody I know by name. It doesn't have to be a Facebook friend. But when you go and there's, you could tell uh, the person that's, you know, signing you in at the credentials or that's uh, waving the flag or whatever, they've been there a while. And you get to ask them a story about the place and get to hear something. It's like sitting on your grandpa's lap and being able to hear, you know, a, a story from them. And that's what I really feel fortunate to do is to have people willing to just tell me something and PRNs at the track are, is their stories. I want to know their story. Uh, there's a lot of great media that covers the competition. I don't try to cover much competition. I don't try to take pictures like the great photographers. I want to take pictures of, hey, y'all take a look at this. This is what I get to see and really share that with my friends like you. Um, so I'm thinking of cool things that you would want to see that maybe because I've got a pass to go to a certain area that I could kind of sneak a picture and show you. Um, it, it's really, really kind of the way I, I am. I feel like, uh, I might be the, the lucky one to get to go to these places, but like at Bristol, when I got to ride in a water truck, um, it would have been what any of, uh, you and the, and the guys we hang out with would have been, heck yeah, let's get in that water truck and see what it's like out there. So why not? Exactly. Yeah. You always pr bring us a unique perspective with your, uh, social media stuff. And I appreciate that stuff. Like, like you said, you see enough of this action shots and this and that. And, you know, I love seeing those guys and the, the, the faces behind the scenes and the pits and the, and the cars and the paint schemes and the people and the facilities. And to me, that stuff's important. Well, and, and I appreciate what you, you've done. This show is going to move the needle for the understanding of dirt late model racing and your photography, that back of the truck shot you took at Bristol and getting to ride around in that pickup. That had to be a cool deal, too. Yeah, since you since you brought it up, uh, you know, and you talked about riding in the water truck, I did a podcast here on the on you know at this studio that evening, and left here and I was listening to uh, the Bristol race on my way home, and I heard you on there. You were riding with the riding up in the water truck, the Mark Garrow or whoever sent it down. We're gonna go down to Lenny. It sounds like he's riding in the water truck, <laughs> and uh, and and they throw it to you, and you're sitting in there, and there's noise in the background, and you're. And you just gave a perfect explanation of going around that track at Bristol. That had to be so neat. It was an e-ticket ride, uh, as the uh, as they used to say. And and really, what um, the you NASCAR know, you... Cup race we're talking about for those listening, <laughs> yeah. The um, dirt fans know that the, you want to make power on a dirt track. You got to have water on it in the right places. And if I was going to get the story, the water truck guy wasn't going to sit there and just chat with me. He was going to ride around and do his job. So I better get in that truck and go. And uh, it was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, a lot of fun. And then, like you said, I got to ride on the back of the pace truck with Chris Ferguson on Sunday at the uh, at the World of Outlaw Late Model Race uh, and shoot the four wide salute. And that, to me, was probably one of the neatest things I ever got to do. And I don't think I really realized it at the time, but looking back, man, that was something I wish I could soak in a little bit more to go around hey. Bristol. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? It's that place is historic. Tell tell people where that picture is because they're going to want to see it. Yeah, so I've got that picture. I've posted it on, on my social media channels for all the Forward Bite uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and then also my Tracks Racing Photos page. It's on there. So, uh, so yeah, you can go check that out, and uh, it's 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 a really pretty neat photo for sure. Hey, and if folks want to hear uh, the radio show that you've been so kind to let me talk about, <laughs> PRN's At The Track is available at goprn.com. You can get it on the PRN app. There's broadcast stations that uh, if you're in the right place, you'll be able to hear it. And uh, follow our social media. PRN's At The Track on Twitter is really pumps out the information. I think we're at 142,000 tweets that we've been a part of. So uh, we, lo- we love it and we share that love. Yeah, you must... Uh... Lenny Batiki's pages on on uh, Twitter and Instagram are must follows for sure. He retweets a lot of the news and pictures and everything on on Twitter and then on the on the Instagram page. It's a lot of photo slideshows that he does whenever he actually goes and boots on the ground at these tracks and and to me that kind of stuff is just so neat to see and it's 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 a must follow if you're a fan of any kind of racing. Well, I'm a fan of uh, yours and appreciate you having me on and um, you know got to. Uh, say you know god bless to our friend race and richard who we lost uh you know recently a, a while back and uh, you and i were pals of his and uh you know he had the, the same feeling and love for what we do and um just another one of those ones that uh we walk in his honor absolutely and if race and richard was still here we would uh we would definitely invite him on the show because he had so many stories to tell every time you'd see him he would tell some stories and yeah, since you brought that up, I saw uh, where his T-shirt collection kind of got uh, kind of got bought out. Bobby Mechabee on Facebook went over there and bought all of his T-shirts, and he's on there kind of selling them here and selling them there. So the legacy of Racing Richard will live on for a long time with people wearing his old T-shirts. So you'll start seeing seeing some of that come out. We need to get a Forward Bite uh, podcast T-shirt going sometime. I think that's in the works. Where you know I've had a couple people ask me uh, when are you gonna get some merch, this and that. So. Uh, I just think we need to get about a hundred more listeners and then we'll be able to be able to maybe do that. So yeah, man, Lenny, it's been fun having you on the show. I guess we could talk for another, gosh, another two hours just telling stories <laughs> and stuff, but uh, maybe some other time we'd be glad to uh, come back and uh, be a part of this. And thanks for having us on. Absolutely. We'll get you back on here, Lenny sometime. And I uh, appreciate you doing this. And until next week, I'm Kyle Armstrong. This is the Forward Bike Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network and NASCAR Digital Media.